It's time for the Retire ASAP podcast. Here's your host, Taylor Fike. Welcome to the Retire ASAP show, where our goal is to get you free from work as soon as possible. My name is Taylor, and with me I have my trusty sidekick, Brad. I feel like I get kicked in the side. Well, I just like to call you the sidekick, as if uh, as if you're not the one who really runs the show. I guess I run this show. You run this show uh, and the other show as well now. And the other show. I'm running all the shows. I don't run anything in my life. My wife runs the show at home, and you run the show at the office. I'm still trying to figure out if I even need the show. <laughs> I'm Batman. You're Robin. And wait, even at home, you're Robin. You're, you're just Robin all over. You're the trusty uh, I'm sidekick. I'm getting robbed all the time. That's what I'm getting. <laughs> well, welcome to our show where we talk a ton about retirement, early retirement, how to get there as quick as possible. Horse all around. Those things. Yeah, we horse around a lot. Uh, we talk a lot about fishing and and flexibility, whether that be oh yeah, love the flexibility, the financial yoga or whatnot. But anyway, wanted to talk to you guys a little bit today. We have a really interesting topic, um, one that kind of gets asked a lot by our clients is if I'm let's say 50 years old, how do I catch up? I haven't been saving as much as I think I should um, towards retirement. How do I make some catch up? How do I get a little bit closer to getting retired earlier or as soon as possible or whatever that looks like? Because you know, if you come in and you may not have a seven-figure portfolio, and that's okay. But you may come in and go, I don't have much at all. How do I get myself to the best place possible as soon as possible when it comes to retiring early? So before we jump into that, though, I read a really interesting article, Brad. Okay. I'd like to hear. So, uh, I like interesting articles. Now, some of our listeners may not be familiar with uh, The Squid Game, which is a really weird Netflix series, but it's really popular with the young people these days. Yeah, I'm not familiar with yeah, it. Yeah, and... and I don't know if it's even something you'd really be interested in watching. But anyway, long story short, there is a cult following of the Squid Game, and a lot of people who do it. Well, they released a cryptocurrency that's called Squid Coin or something along those lines. Oh, boy. It's called Squid, S-Q-U-I-D, all capital letters. That's That's what they actually call it. And so the interesting thing about this is that it's gone bonkers these last couple weeks. Okay, so I'm. I'll read you this article from The Morning Brew. It says... The token jumped 310,000% in two weeks. Whoa. So if I go a little bit further, on a Tuesday, so this would have been, let's see, last Tuesday, if I pull up the date here, let me make sure I get my Tuesday right. On Tuesday, the 26th, it was worth 1.2 cents per coin. So just one cent, one penny per coin. By that following Sunday, just a few days later, the coin was worth $2,800 a coin, $2,861 a coin. So it goes from one cent to two grand a coin. Now, here's the really interesting part, and this is the part that will probably freak anybody out if they ever want to talk about crypto, is that just shortly after that, the owners of SquidCoin, who had the majority of the coins themselves, which I'm not quite sure how they... Every every crypto is different, right? They can actually generate their own coins, and as owners, they have control of whatever they want to do with that. They liquidated everything that they had. This, yep. So it goes from one cent to twenty eight hundred bucks. People were buying it like crazy because they thought they were all going to get rich on it. All these owners who had the majority share dumped their coins immediately. It's worth zero right now. Oh, well, a little bit more than zero, but not much. People lost thousands of dollars. It says that. The owners walked away with probably $2.1 million in estimated earnings off of it. Talk about a scam in crypto. What a scam. And you know, this is this is going to get the regulators all lit up over the cryptocurrency because once again, 
more abuses being done in that world. And there's another reason why we always say it's purely a speculative play. It's high-end it gambling. Now, at 0.12 cent or 1.2 cents or whatever it was yep. originally, and you bought, you know, $500 worth of it, you didn't really lose if you bailed if you bought it then. Yeah, if you bought but it if on you Tuesday. bought it at 24 bucks or 28 or 2400, uh that's a pretty big beat and I would say that you know what? That's going to teach people a lesson just like I learned lessons back in the 80s playing the penny stocks. I sure hope so. I just, and see, I'm not against crypto. I've actually learned a ton about crypto here in the last few weeks just because I've had some conversations with people about it. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think cryptocurrency in general is bad. But you do have to go into it with the investing mindset that it is not a guarantee. There's no guarantee about it. It's completely speculative, highly volatile. And there's really a ton of regulation that hasn't been released about cryptocurrency that could change the whole landscape in the next two, three, five, ten years. It may look completely different three months from now even. That's the kind of stuff you're looking at. Yeah, and it's basically ex identical to walking into a casino playing the roulette wheel with no regulation or rules. Sure. I mean, Squid Guys actually proved that. Absolutely. We ran it up cashed out bye-bye everybody else we're happy campers and the question is is that illegal and that's probably what's going to be the conversation now is it's like these guys they created this coin there's in my knowledge no law that says that they can't create the coin and then dump their own holdings now in the stock world you can't do that but in the crypto world there's not to my knowledge anything yet out there so is this going to be the beginning of a whole lot of regulation, like you said, where the SEC is going to get involved and say, okay, we're going to shut this bad boy down. We're only going to let you do this if you follow XYZ rules and do all these things and jump through all these hoops. Trust me, they've been licking their chops for a long time on this, and they've been dragging their feet because it's so complicated and there's so many different versions that they don't want to jump in and make rules that missed left lots of little holes in it so right. they're taking their time but they are still licking their chops and trust me the irs is as well oh yeah they're looking at this and they're ready to go but anyway all that for our listeners if you if you look up some articles on squid or squid coin or whatever it's called um definitely check that out because you really have to be careful in the crypto world can you get rich gosh i've heard stories of people who invest a few grand and end up millionaires absolutely you can get rich but there's very few of those out there. The vast majority of people, and this is how any sort of investing works, the vast majority of people don't hit the lottery overnight. It's the long-term investors who are usually consistent winners over long periods of time. And those who buy in later are the ones that are the losers. Because, you know, if you get in early where the highest risk is, that's where the highest reward is in most cases. Right. And then it creates a bubble. So it becomes this big bubble. I'm not saying any cryptocurrency is a bubble. But historically, if you look at any other type of thing, and I'll, I'll use the simple uh, Beanie ba Baby thing. Because, oh, yeah. you know, those were it bucks something. And then they some of them went up to hundreds of dollars for a Beanie Baby. And then eventually it all failed. Nothing was worth anything. Well, now they're dog toys, right? At least yeah, in our house they were. Yeah, they were little beads laying all over the place. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just, a, that's what happens. Nobody, I shouldn't say nobody. The majority of the people don't. I've had more questions in the last week, seriously, about buying cryptocurrency from people, not necessarily clients, just being out somewhere than I've ever had just in the last week or so. And I go, you should have got into that 10 years ago or five years ago or three or four years ago. 
Why would you get into it now? Well, everybody's talking about it. I go, absolutely. It's too late when everybody's talking about it. Right. If you want to make sorry, the big money. Over. The play, the big plays are over. That's right. If you want to make the big money, you got to get into it before people talk about and it. And I would be cashing out if I had a boatload right now. I can tell you that right now. I'd sure. be glad to pay my taxes this year instead of next year. Well, we, we don't know anything <laughs> for sure. And we do have some conversations coming up about taxes here on the podcast. But yeah, you're right. There are some conversations around capital gains coming up in D.C. that may change the way that all this looks. And so if you have these massive crypto gains, is it time to dump them now? Or are you going to get hammered with income taxes maybe in the future? Who knows? We don't know for sure. But anyway, again, on this podcast, we're not giving you any specific investment advice, but we're giving you some investment warnings right now. There you you need to be very careful. You can't go into speculative gambling. Basically, what I've told my friends when they asked me about crypto, I said, never invest a dollar you're not willing to lose because that it could be that quick. And if you're in Squidcoin, it could be you invested a couple cents on Tuesday, became a $10,000, $12,000 on Sunday, and then back down to no cents on Monday. You know, It could be that quick, and that's how it happens. It can happen in the blink of an eye. So it's be careful. It's a roulette wheel, right? It is. So let's go back to uh, another subject is, uh, let's say you're 50 years old and you haven't really saved a lot of money. Get yourself in crypto. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, don't go thinking that you're going to go jump in crypto and all of a sudden by the time yeah. you're 53, you're all set. So, sure. I mean, good luck if you do. I don't, I, you know, I, I don't hold anything against anybody who plays that game. I'm no. just saying, don't count on it. Now, there might be a better system if you're 50 and broke. And if you're single, there's, <laughs> there you, know, you go, Uh-oh. you got to go, you got to get online. You got to find the 90 to 99 year olds out there <laughs> and you got to find one. And then once you meet them, you got to find out if they got any money and no kids. That's true. So it's the old one foot in the grave theory. <laughs> And so what you do is you you date one and you finally marry one. And when that 95-year-old, you know, kicks the bucket, okay, this is rude. And you crude. might have to change some diapers, though. I mean, that might not be the best well, situation. Well, hey, you know, if they got a lot of money, you know, and you're 50 years old and you got nothing and you're worried about retirement. I guess it's I'm true. just giving you a simple retirement plan here. It might be just as uh, just as easy as buying a crypto coin, you know. And, yeah. You know, you have your chances maybe about the same as finding a sugar mama or a sugar daddy. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking it's happened out there. And, you know, and who's to say that probably on Lifetime movies, some of them don't give them a little kick into that grave too <laughs> right at the end. So anyhow, okay, that's it's rude and crude, but I'm just going to tell you it's the joke that's always been around. Everybody's probably heard it. Yeah. You know, you got to marry one, one foot in the grave. So that's your quick get fix retirement plan. Well, I I don't recommend it, but I'm just saying it, it, you know, in theory, it may, it might, or I don't know, may not. You used to joke with me all the time when I was in high school, you said you could always, you can marry a rich one as easy as a poor one, you know, find yourself a a nice rich woman and you'll be just set for life. And, you know, I, I I don't know. I I didn't follow your greatest advice there. Well, I take um, that to another level. You can fall in love with a rich one just as easy as a poor one. (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) So, you know, uh, again, once again, not a recommendation, yeah, just, a, jokes. just a, you know, joke. All joking aside, though, it, and this is as we are just teasing about some of this stuff. It is true, though, there are 50 year olds out there or 55 year olds that are going, hey, you know, I've I really didn't have the money at the time in my 30s and my 40s. I was focused on other things. My career hadn't taken off, whatever it is. I didn't put anything away. And now I'm. 15 years away from 65, I'm, I'm just a decade away from wanting to be able to retire, and I don't have anything to retire on. 
And I mean, when, when we start thinking about that and we and we look at the crypto side, yeah, no wonder people want to play the game and gamble because they're trying to make that catch-up um, difference of what they should have been saving versus what they have saved. But I mean, what are we telling our clients? What are we telling our clients about savings if they're trying to catch up, if they're late to the game? What do we, what do we tell them? Well, I think, first of all, uh, seek assistance at that point because sure. uh, now you are going to be in uh, a more pressurized situation to get it done. And it's not going to be easy, but you're going to have to, you know, design some budgetary plans right up front. It goes right back to our retire ASAP plan, except it's going to be a little bit more detailed and more disciplined, right? Right. The average guy who saved a fair amount of money is not going to have to deal with the discipline as, as somebody that's 50 with zero, right? Right. I yeah. mean, does that make sense? Absolutely. And I, and I will tell you, the, the clients that I have that retire in their 50s, it's usually because they're sitting on seven-figure retirement accounts, right? Those are the ones who they've been saving for a long time. They, they started early. They got set up well. They had jobs that paid them well. But I'm not saying that if you're 52 and have 50 grand saved up for retirement that you're never going to be able to retire. It just looks different. Right. And so I think uh, one of the things you really have to think about, if you are stuck in that kind of situation, it's like, man, I really need to catch up. You have to come to the realization that retirement may not look like the luxurious TV commercials that you always thought they would. Right. It may not be you're on a cruise ship all the time or you have your sailboat or you're always taking these worldwide vacations. You just may have to come to terms with the fact that, okay, I didn't save as much as I should. So my retirement isn't going to look as lavish as I would like. But that doesn't mean that it's impossible to retire because retirement can still be really, really fun and really exciting, even though you're not doing all those things that we see on TV and in movies. Yeah, it doesn't mean that you're done, but you also have to be realistic. And so one of the things uh, I think I've mentioned to a lot of my clients over the years is you got to look in the mirror at 50 years old. You haven't saved a lot. There's two types of people in our industry that we try to identify when they come in. You're either a spender or you're a saver. Right. And if you're 50 years old, you've probably been a spender. Now, you can deny that. That's okay. Uh, But as an advisor, I can identify which one you are when you come in my office. Mm -hmm. After about 15, 20 minutes, I know if you're a spender and a saver. If you're a saver, you've probably saved enough money. It's not an issue. And you're not going to change the way you are probably even in retirement. You're still going to be somewhat frugal. Doesn't mean you're not going to enjoy your retirement, but you're still not going to go out and get stupid with your money. You never, mm-hmm. you don't usually change. Your pattern of life has been set since your 20s or 30s, and you just know how to save money and, and pay attention to budgets and things of that sort. Right. And then you have the spender who just does whatever they want. I want the four-wheeler today. I want the camper tomorrow. I'll borrow the money. I don't really care. I, I can afford the payment. You know, and at the end comes 50 years old and you go, crap, I never really saved anything. I've had a great fun time, you know, because I've got toys and whatever it might be. I might be clothes or might be crypto gambling. I don't know. (laughs) But those are the spenders that aren't, you know, holding any reins. They're not holding their reins in. So that spender typically isn't going to change either. Right. So you have to look in the mirror and go, am I a spender or saver? And be honest with yourself. Yeah. And if, if you are the spender, then you got to go, look, I can continue my happy today, not worry about tomorrow life because that's what you're doing. Or you're going to go, I've got to change my ways. Mm-hmm. But you have to acknowledge that yourself. I can't sit here and go, you need to change. I can tell you that, but that doesn't mean you're going to change. Right. So you have to internalize that yourself. And if you can do that, 
then you'll probably be all right because now you'll turn and take advice of what needs to be done to get there, which is not going to be an easy road. Correct. I mean, when you come to terms with the fact that, okay, I haven't saved enough. My retirement is going to look different than what I would have probably hoped for. Once you come to terms with that, it's time to then decide what do I need to do to make it the best that I can. And at this point in your life, if you're 10, 15 years away from retirement and you don't have a whole lot of time to you know, make those catch-ups, there's only a few things that you can really do to catch up anyway. I mean, there's limits on retirement accounts as to how much you can contribute. And if you haven't been maxing those out in the past, it's probably because you don't have the capital to max them out in the first place. So it's not like you're all of a sudden going to come into a pile of money, which I guess could happen if there is an inheritance down the road, which no one should ever count on. You know, even even though you know that your parents or your your wife or your spouse's parents or whatever it is may have some money, doesn't mean it's all coming to you. So don't count on that as your retirement plan. That's <laughs> I've had that conversation before. That should not be included in your sure, financial plan. Yeah, for sure. But the idea is is that there's only a few things you can do. You just really need to focus on the things you can control. One of those things being Social Security. That is going to be there for, as far as we can tell, the foreseeable future. Now, there are obviously is talks about will that go away if it goes bankrupt and that would be a whole nightmare for our country, and I don't think that any political suicide it, for the guys that decide that it is, and I don't think we're going to have that issue. But so, social security is something you can control because you can time when you take it, and you can maximize your social security benefit. The other thing you can control is your expenses, and like you were saying, Brad, if you're a spender, you have to come to terms with that and decide: Am I going to continue to spend? Because the only way you can afford to do that is that you have to continue to work. And if you haven't saved enough to be able to continue that spending pattern without working, you have to either cut those expenses and pay off your debts while you are working or just work forever. Those are really the two things. So talk a little bit about Social Security. What, what can people do to really maximize that benefit? What are things that they can do to make sure that they get the most bang for their buck? Well, I think, uh, you know, that you have multiple choices. You can start taking Social Security at 62. Oh, multiple choice. That sounds like a test from school. Do you want to take it at 62? Do you want to take it at your full retirement age? Or do you wait until 70, which is the maximum you're ever going to get? Well, the answer on the test is always C. If They they said if you don't know the answer, you just guess C. C will give you the most money if you live the longest. I I don't know if that's the real (laughs) answer. But again, like I say, they always said if you're taking a test, you don't know the answer, Percentage-wise, it's more likely to be C than any of the other letters. Oh, now, there's no, usually four, though. Nobody ever taught me that. I might have got better in D's in school. Then. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think when you get into Social Security, everybody, every individual that comes in here has to have a different... It, there is no cookie cutter to that, Correct. right? Correct. So, and I think we uh, have talked about this in the past, and I, I think it all depends... Again, the word depends. I think we used that last week or last <laughs> podcast because, yeah. you know, the attorney always goes, well, it depends. I don't know if that's the right, you know, that, that, and it's the same thing here. So I don't know if there's a cookie cutter approach, but taking it 62 is going to be less than taking it each year later. Each year that you wait, the higher your Social Security payout is By about be. 8%, right? Yeah, it's, it's very roughly that, yes. So I always tell people, if you have enough money saved, then possibly your full retirement age is the ticket. Right. And that doesn't mean that's the perfect answer. And if somebody's got a lot of money and owns a business and they want to work for till they're 80, and there's people that want to do that, believe it or not, 
which could be me as well. Because uh, <laughs> I, I have a feeling that's true. I don't like to get kicked around. I like to keep coming in here. This sidekick isn't working. <laughs> um, you might want to not take turn it on till seventy. Although you know you want to be in good health if you're gonna and have some longevity in your family before I would suggest you wait till seventy. But it is the highest payout. So in 62 to 67 or whatever, 66 or whatever your retirement, full retirement age is, you know, if you're still working in those years, if you got to play catch up and you're still working, you're going to get penalized for taking Social Security at 62 or 63 or 64 or 65, anytime before that full retirement age. So if that's the case, if you're going to have to work, then we're going to probably go, you need to wait till your full retirement age bang some bucks away working till that full retirement age. Right? right. And that's what the government's trying to tell you. Look, our system isn't working for 65 anymore, which is what it used to be. Everybody right. got it at 65. Then they graded that. I think it's going to keep going up as time goes on. They're going to have to do something actuarially to keep that sound. But the point is you're probably going to have to wait more to full retirement if you're sitting on very little money at 50. Right. Right. Absolutely. And you also have to think that your social security is calculated by how much money you earn. In most cases, let's say the majority of cases, you earn the most money at the end of your career, right? You've gotten pay raises every year. Um, You may have gotten bonuses, whatever it is. Social security calculates your social security payment based off of how much you've earned each year. So the longer you work, the bigger your social security will likely be. So you have to think that through too, where I go, okay, if I turn my social security on at 62, but I'm not really ready to retire at 62. Now you've just cut yourselves at the at the knees. You can't even move forward in retirement because you've basically taken away your highest earning years. You took them off your social security calculation, which is the craziest thing ever. And I and you might correct me on this, but I don't think that getting rich on cryptocurrency helps your social security because it's not an earned income. I can certainly say <laughs> currently, according to current laws, they are a capital asset, which means you have to claim capital gains or losses with those. And I'm pretty sure in future law, they're not going to allow that to increase your social security because that would be a bankrupt for them. The only way they would allow that to happen is if they could tax the heck out of it because that's where they would earn their money oh, back. They from could bank. put a social security and Medicare tax on capital gains of cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency. Oh, if I was in the government, I'd be all, I'd be like, this is one of the things we're going to do. Think about it. Currency, right? The US dollar, when you earn the dollar, you get taxed on social security for that dollar. If it's a currency, it could probably be argued that you could get social security tax on your cryptocurrency. Now, I'm not saying I'm lobbying for that by any means, but that is a possibility. So keep that in mind. Okay. But currently, no, your cryptocurrency does not earn you more social security. Okay. So we digressed. There so we did. Days. But the idea here is, is you go, okay, if I'm playing catch up, the best thing I can do is work at least to my full retirement age, if not all the way to 70, if I'm able, because the longer I work one, I earn more money, which means my social security benefit goes up because they take that as a part of the average of how they calculate your benefit number. And two, you get your full social security benefit the longer you wait. Or if you wait past your full retirement age, whether that's 66 and some months or 67, if you wait all the way to 70, you get more than your benefit. You get a boosted benefit for waiting. And so that's one of the big things you can control. If you are trying to play catch up, work on the things you can control like social security. Now, if you need help figuring some of those things out, you should probably talk to a financial advisor to get a professional opinion based off your specific numbers. Now, the other thing that you are able to control is your budget, is your expenses. So 
Talk a little bit about this, Brad. You you talked a bit about spenders, but talk about how if you are in your 50s and you're trying to get ready for retirement, what can you be focusing on paying down some debts and what things there that they need to really get out of their lives before they even start retiring so they can keep that expense as low as possible? Well, the first thing is uh, consumer debt, which is credit card debt. Those different debts that have higher interest, we want to get those out of the way first. Paying off your house would be probably one of the last things I would worry about paying off. Sure. I'm not saying that, you know, depending on there's different situations, but in most cases you want to start working on that high interest stuff first, get it out of your life. The more you get that paid down, the quicker you get that paid down, it frees up more capital that you're, as you're earning money, frees up more capital that you can invest for the future. And as long as you're being burdened by all these payments, you know, I, I took a loan out on a car. I got a loan on a motorcycle. I got a loan on a camper. I, you know, I built a garage. I got a loan on that. I got a house mortgage. I mean, these things are just killing you every month. And yeah, you're spending money. You're enjoying life one day at a time. And that's fine if that's how you want to live. But don't ever expect to bank a lot of money without the one foot in the grave theory or inheritance theory. Okay. <laughs> right. I'm just being realistic here. And so, I think those are things that you have to work on first and you and you really need a professional to help you go through all that stuff, sort it out mm-hmm. and you know, get it all figured out. I mean, you it's if you're a spender, it's very hard for you to do it on your own, right? Yeah, I mean, cuz you're not used to ever doing it and you're going to go, "Well, I don't even know where to begin" or "Well, I know where to begin, I just don't want to do it." Well, okay, you either don't do it or you hire somebody like us to help you discipline yourself to do it and someone to be accountable to. Right. I mean, it's like losing weight, right? I need to be accountable to somebody to, to continually lose weight, which I've struggled with all my life, by the way. Sure. Uh, but anyhow, I mean, we all, right? Yeah. I mean, it's but not- I mean, those are, that's the thing you got to look at. And that's, that's probably the simplest solution because there is no magic dust to this. Right. Well, and you think about it, I think you hit the nail on the head, the high interest type of debt that you have, whether it's credit cards or maybe it's a car loan or a car lease, whatever it is, those types of things you need to start there because we've done episodes in the past on good debt versus bad debt. Good debt is the kind of debt where you are paying on your debt, but the asset that you are paying debt for is something that can appreciate over time, right? It's something that it's worth like a house or real estate. Those are the things where, yes, I borrowed to live in my house, but hopefully if you know the market continues the way that it's supposed to, my house will be worth more in 30 years than when I bought it 30 years ago. And I don't know very many people out there that have made it through 30 years of a mortgage to find out that their house is worth less than what they bought it for. Unless, of course, they bought it, I guess, the peak of 2007 and had to sell it right after the crash or something like that. That could be bad. But the idea there is that good debt is something that is a long-term good thing. It's going to grow in value. You're paying debt because you don't have all the capital up front, but it's going to be a good value down the road. Bad debt are the things that depreciate the second you buy them. That includes cars, boats, RVs. Boats? Oh. I know. Now, don't don't get me wrong. All those are fun. And if you want to have that and you're willing to pay the debt to do that, that's okay. But just know that getting debt on those things, they make no good moves for you financially. It is one of those things you are now sacrificing your capital, your money, your hard-earned cash, and it's going to be worth less down the road. Every day that you own that item, that asset, whether it's a boat, car, vehicle, whatever it is, 
it's going to be worth less. And so when you're saying boats, it, so it really is an anchor to your retirement. Hey, look at it's that. It's dragging on the bottom of the lake. That's a good little, that's a good yeah. little dad joke right there. Yeah, yeah. There <laughs> that's true. Go. Or the other side of things, things like credit card debt, that they aren't going to earn you anything. You, you spent that money, most likely credit card stuff, you bought something like, jewelry or retail products or things that you cannot sell secondhand for as much as you bought them for pizza you can't even sell that for any every other day well that does sound pretty good uh maybe not for my weight but that sounds pretty good for my taste buds but yeah those types of things where you start spending too much on those credit cards now that debt becomes something you don't get anything back out of another good debt student loans if done properly there are some bad student loans out there but something where you're investing in yourself and your education so that you can turn around and use that education to earn you more money those are the types of things that are good debt so you need to decide what are those if you're 50 and you have some good debts and some bad debts how do you wipe out those bad debts and now all of a sudden instead of having to have four grand a month to live on which is what you earn you're living paycheck to paycheck you only need three grand a month. Now you have this extra thousand dollars in your paycheck that can go towards retirement savings. And then when you do retire, you have less things that you have to pay for, which means you have to earn less of retirement income to survive. Yes, I agree. And we've talked many times in the past that if you listen to some of the budget and debt guys, uh, don't focus on your house so much. I'm not saying everybody shouldn't, but I'm just saying you got to rethink that piece of the puzzle because that house is building equity why is that such a bad thing? And I understand how the gurus out there of the world that are debt reduction guys will tell you that. I understand where they're coming from. I just disagree with that. And I think there's other ways. There's nothing wrong with using other people's money as long as you can earn more money on your money invested somewhere and use other people's money if the interest rate's less than what you're earning, right? I mean, why not? Logic makes sense there, right? And and I'd be, I'd be really interested to see the true finances of some of these financial guru guys that say don't ever take any debt. How many times have they taken debt? Maybe for their business or for their home. Now, they'll probably tell you they didn't and they probably have it buried pretty deep. But I would be surprised that they lived their entire life and accumulated lots of money without borrowing something in the beginning. You have to get started somewhere. Borrowing isn't a bad thing. It is in some cases, but there are very good cases of borrowing. Housing is one. What I tell a lot of my clients is that Paying off your house, that's like step seven or eight in the 10-step process. You're all the way down the line. You, you've paid off short-term debt. You've started saving for retirement. There's a ton of things that you need to accomplish long before you pay off your house. That is a low-interest investment long-term, at least right now. We could get to the point where we get back into double-digit interest rates, and this is a different conversation at that point. But right now, at three, four, even in bad credit, 5% mortgages, that's not something that's a major priority in your life to pay right. off. Money's cheap, but that doesn't mean you go out and you know take a home equity line on top of your mortgage and go, let's go have a good time. And then you go, oh, wait a minute. Now, I, now I'm overladen with payments. So sure. that doesn't mean you jump into it. But I think that's a great conversation with a, a professional advisor to help guide you in some of that. But it is things and each everybody has a unique situation. But uh, I believe that home debt is not a scary piece to me unless it's uh, over, unless you've overbought. Okay. Right. There's a guy who makes X amount of dollar and wants to keep up with uncle Jones next door. Then, okay. There's a, there's an issue there. And yeah. again, that goes back to spending and image and things of that sort. That's a whole different emotional discussion. 
So it would not, be good. not dollars and cents so much. It would be good to do a future episode with a maybe a real estate agent that can kind of give us an idea of how do you live within your means? How do you, if you have oh, a make great X amount of dollars, what kind of house should you be looking for? You know, yep. I'm sure there's some agents out there that have some good data on that. But anyway, all that to say, if you're trying to play catch up, try to control two things. One, control your social security. Work a little bit longer than you want to. I know that's not always your favorite thing to hear. We talk about retire ASAP here as soon as possible. But in some cases, staying in work longer earns you more Social Security benefit and allows you to get your full benefit. Those are the two major pieces of working longer and staying and focusing on your Social Security. The second thing is get some of those debts paid off. Get those expenses lower. The sooner you lower your expenses, the sooner you can turn on your Social Security and cover those expenses. So make sure you're focusing on those two things you can control. And yes, don't stop saving. Definitely keep putting money into a 401k or an IRA or whatever you're doing for retirement savings. Continue to do those things, but know that you are limited on that. You're not going to go from zero to seven figures in 10 years unless you hit the lottery or you do some of those crazy, wacky strategies that Brad listed, but it, there's, it's really rare for that to happen. The idea is, is that you control the things you can control and stay consistent and try to work a little bit of time each day to get yourself there. Yeah, and, and as the financial yo guy here, oh, yes. mm-hmm. you will be more flexible in your financial life if you accomplish those things. If you do what the professional people will tell you, you will be more flexible eventually. Right now, you're right. There's no such thing as flexibility. I got these payments and it's constant. And when I'm done, I'm lucky to get a pizza at the end of the week and blah, blah, blah. Sure. You know, but flexibility will come, but you need to have a plan. It isn't just going to fall in your lap. If you're a saver and you've been doing this, you know, for 10, 20 years, 30 years, you probably got it down pat. It's not even a, a discussion. Mm-hmm. However, those people also want advice, and they're usually the, our best clients that are coming in here asking for advice, even though they've done a great job, right? Absolutely. They're willing to listen and do whatever it takes, even above and beyond, even though they don't need to. Yeah. You know, that's the cool thing. Well, so, you know, that I, I guess the best advice is you just got to jump in and and get somebody to help you be accountable for it. Yeah. Well, and to stick with the weight loss analogy, right? Yeah. You, you start with that one. No one, no one gets overweight overnight, right? You don't go to bed skinny and wake up fat the next morning. Oh. It's usually something that happens slowly over a long period of time, right? 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Same thing financially. You don't get yourself into a financial uh, rough spot when you're 50 years old just because at 49 you fell asleep and woke up broke, right? And I guess maybe some, if you invest in squid coin, you did. But the idea <laughs> here is, is that you have habits that you've created over the last two, three decades that got you to where you are. And so breaking those habits, you have to be patient with it. Same thing with weight loss. If it took you 10, 15, 20 years to get overweight, it's going to take you more than 10 minutes to lose that weight, more than a couple weeks, more than probably even a couple years to get yourself back into a healthy position. You have to think about that financially too. If you got yourself here over a long period of time, it's going to take you a longer period of time to get yourself out of there. So be patient with it. Trust your advisor, whoever that is, whether it's a financial advisor, tax account, whatever it is, whoever you talk to, trust them to get you through this and make sure that you stick to their plan and stay disciplined because that's huge. So to wrap all this up, we are going to uh, end this episode with the idea that if you are looking for a financial advisor, you can head over to our website, fikeadvisors.com. 
click the schedule now button. That'll take you right to my calendar. You can schedule a free phone call with me and I'd be happy to walk you through some of the details of what we do. And I want to hear a little bit about your situation to see if we can help you. So again, fikeadvisors.com, click schedule now, get on my calendar, phone call. You can come into our office. We can do a Zoom meeting, whatever you're most comfortable with. And we'll get you guys set up for your next steps financially, whether that's getting you to retire early, whether that's getting you back on track for retirement. We, we won't know until we have that conversation. So hope you guys are doing well. We will be back here in a couple weeks for our next topic, which I'm not quite sure what we're going to do. Brad, do you have any ideas off the top of your head? I like to leave it a surprise since it's November. Okay. Is November. A, we're heading to the that's holidays. That's the only excuse I got. Well, I know coming up before the end of the year, we are going to talk about taxes. So maybe if I can get Daniel on here before then, that'd be awesome. So, all right. We'll talk to you guys soon. Investment advisory services provided by Fike Advisors, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Please consult a professional before taking any action. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.